The Phileas Club is supported by its listeners on Patreon. If you think you might be interested in supporting the show, why don't you head over to patreon.com slash the Phileas Club and think about it some more. Hello, everyone. This is the Phileas Club, episode 93. We talk about a lot of things, and then we talk about American politics for about an hour. But the show is really long, so we don't just talk about that. Is that okay? I hope it's okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Phileas Club. This show is a show where we get together with people from different countries around the world, different cultures, different opinions, different backgrounds, and we comment on the news from the past couple of weeks or even months, actually, the last month. Um, and a qu my name is Patrick Beja, and a quick uh, mention before we actually dive into the show, um, I didn't after last episode where we talked about the uh well not the last episode because that one was a special about india but the the last regular episode uh, episode 91 we talked about the us a lot and i figured after that episode well maybe we can you know maybe not talk about the us for the for the next one so this one and uh with what happens i happened uh in the us in the last month there would be like 15 different topics that we could cover but um i think we we have to do that but i We'll leave that part of the discussion to the end of the show, and uh, we'll cover a bunch of other interesting things before that. So we will get to it. As we were joking before we started recording with my co-hosts, uh, we'll make sure to leave it for after the ad break uh, to maximize the amount of... Uh, oh, wait, we don't have ads. All right. Well, we'll still do it last. Um, and uh, thankfully, to discuss this, we have a great panel today. Uh, we, I'll start with uh, Tony, who's here from the U.S., from the East Coast. How's, how's it going, Tony? It's going pretty well. It's a beautiful day here in southern Ohio, and I'm ready to have some interesting discussions. <laughs> I noticed how you didn't say fun. Now I'm ready to have oh, some no, fun. Oh, no, it's going to be a lot of fun, too. I think. <laughs> We're, I'm ready to go. All right, cool. Uh, what time is it for you right now? It is 8.10 a.m. Excellent. Uh, it is 3.10 p.m. for me and also for our good friend Turkey calling in from Saudi Arabia. How's it going, Turkey? Oh, all good, all good. Just having a crappy day and uh, Trump is all over the news. So let's oh, start really? talking about the U.S. Okay, let's go. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that as well. I mean, <laughs> technically, we're supposed to talk about what made the biggest headlines in each of our countries uh, for our segments. So if... Trump is the biggest headlines in Saudi Arabia, then maybe we'll get to it a little bit faster than, uh, than I thought. Um, but you have your crappy days voice, as I was saying before we started recording. So I'm a little bit concerned about you, but at the same time, you have that voice almost every episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the, the, the next person, the last person um, who we have on the show today is uh, Charles from Australia. How's it going, sir? It is going swimmingly fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> is that a, an Australian uh, expression? Late, 
No, no, no. <laughs> Shit, I don't know where no, that's right, from. Because you don't uh, swim at all because of all the sharks and uh, alligators absolutely. and all that, right? Uh, no, cro- crocodiles. We've been through this. They're crocodiles. <laughs> Estuarine crocodiles eat people. We don't have alligators here. They're in the US, but hang on. We're not talking about the US, no, are no, we? No, no, so not yet. Not move yet. On. <laughs> what time did you say it was for you? I didn't. It's uh, just after 10 p.m. here, so uh, quite a civil hour. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we truly have a global world-spanning table today. Very happy when this happens. It happens every once in a while on the show. Thank you, everyone, for being on the show. Um, And I will start for once. I don't know that it's always the case. Sometimes it's the case. Uh, But I'll start with what's been happening, with what's been making the headlines in Paris and a little bit in Finland. Maybe we'll get to that because, as all of you know, I uh, do split my time between Finland and France. And uh, currently I'm in Finland, so I I have a little bit of that. Um, But first, what's been happening in Paris? Well, Uh, the the biggest thing, I think, is that uh, the popularity of President Macron has plummeted. Uh, there's a number of reasons for that, and we could get into it. I think it has to do with the way he approaches the pre- presidency and a few controversies that have erupted around some of his uh, decisions in policymaking. Um But the one that I thought would be most interesting, and that has definitely been making the headlines, is um, the the reforms that he is uh, putting together, he and his government are putting together for uh, tax reforms and labor law reforms. Um, I think I talked about labor law a little bit last time. Um, so this has not been implemented yet, but basically everyone in the press is getting ready for the back-to-school period craziness in, in politics as well, because we have the back-to-school period at the beginning of September. That's really when the fall starts for us. And um, they have been... Uh, campaigning on and preparing a major labor law uh, reform that the press and the political powers in in play are expecting to be a, a major fight. Meaning, in France, you all know how much we like to demonstrate and make demonstrations and go on strike and Every time any government tries to reform labor laws, uh, that that creates a lot of social conflicts. And um, sometimes they they stay steady and sometimes they uh, have to, uh, they buckle under the pressure. So as I said, I did mention a little bit about the labor laws in uh, the past episode, but I wanted to talk about one type of tax that is being uh, reworked in uh, or has been uh, uh, reworked and it's going to happen over the next uh, uh, fiscal year. But that tax is called uh, the fortune tax. It's the best translation I can uh, I can give it. And basically, what it is, uh, it's pretty unique to France. But I'm curious to hear you guys' opinion on this culturally. Um, what it is is that uh, if an individual it has a net worth that is above a certain amount, currently I believe it's eight hundred thousand euros. So. It's not, you know, a tiny amount. Uh, but if your net worth is above, above that amount, then you are taxed. 
by a percentage of it. It's a relatively low percentage. It's 0.5 to 1.5%. Um, but it's basically a tax on wealth. And that's significant. I think everyone will understand why. Uh, it's because it's not a tax on any type of income. It doesn't mean that, you know, your your income it is taxed as well, of course, uh, but that's an additional tax on uh, the amount of money you have in the bank. Um, so it's, it's being changed into, basically, it's being uh, uh, removed except for real estate uh, holdings. So if you have those, I don't know exactly what the amount will be, but if you have above a certain amount of net worth in real estates, then you will still be subject to that tax, but not for your overall uh, net worth. Um, yeah. So that's one that is being debated very heavily in France. And, and there is a lot of, not controversy, but a lot of people are saying, I think a lot of people agree that it's not bringing in a, a, an amount of money that is incredibly high, but the the proponents of that law, of that tax, would say it's symbolic. And um, I wonder how you guys, uh, <laughs> what you guys think of that, that kind of uh, taxation. Uh, Charles, you, you seem to be ready to speak. Mm. So the, the um, if I, if I understand this, if, before this reform goes through, it's on somebody's total net worth, which could be cash in the bank, shares and property. And now they're thinking to make it simply property, property and nothing else. Is that right? Yeah, that is the current uh, thinking. I think it, it might have been, uh, the, the law might have been already uh, put in place and it will take effect later. But yeah, that's the, that's the idea. Why? <laughs> what was the rationale behind it? Huh. Um, I, if I had to guess, I would think that um, the issue we have in Paris, in France in general, and in many cities, but in Paris in particular, is one of um, holding real estate, buildings, lodgings, and not using them. Uh, not putting them to use to ho house people. And we could get into why that is. There are a number of reasons, but um, that's a big fear and a big concern that is driving prices of, real, of, of uh, well, real estate and actually living um, uh, uh, rent high in the capital in particular. So I would suspect that this is the idea that you have you can't just keep them and do nothing with them you have to transform them into um you know revenue generating something to uh pay that tax at least. So that would be my my suspicion. Hmm. seems reasonable. We we don't have any any similar or equivalent tax on general wealth um in Australia there there, there are taxes on uh income there's taxes on capital gains on sale of assets uh so on and so forth but but there, 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 there's no to the best of my knowledge and I'm uh there, there's no tax on on static wealth uh the the threshold of 800,000 euro particularly on on real estate would be a bit of a challenge in uh, certainly the cities of Sydney and Melbourne here because I think the the median house price in Melbourne sits somewhere around about 800,000 uh, Australian dollars at the moment which um uh, which is 
a, a big issue that we're dealing with housing affordability in general. We don't have the same tradition of, of, of renting and long-term leases that exist in Europe and a lot of other countries. It's very so much everyone about owns home their, everyone owns yeah, their Well, house. everyone aspires to owning their yeah. own home, but, 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 it, but it gets very, very difficult now because of the, the cost of housing to, uh, to, to achieve that. Um, uh, I, and, and in a sense, then I don't mind the idea of a tax on real estate, maybe to take some of the pressure off the uh, the, the prices of real estate. But we don't we don't have anything like that here at the moment. All right, Tony, any comments? Um, yeah, we we don't have a wealth tax here in the United States. I I feel like I don't. I like the way they're moving. Uh, personally, they're moving a little closer to what we have, which we have an income tax, of course, and then we also have real estate taxes. Now, our real estate tax is not based on any kind of threshold, like eight hundred thousand or above. It's just if you own real estate, you pay a tax on that real estate. Now, we also have uh, tax deductions for. If you're paying a mortgage on that real estate, you can uh, claim that on your taxes and get deductions for that. But kind of like Charles was saying, $800,000 doesn't seem like a huge amount when you start accumulating all the wealth together, all the real estate, the the cash in the bank, uh, shares and things like the stocks, things like that. Um, That, you know, you're saying fortune tax and that immediately I'm thinking – very wealthy. Well, at least here, and I suspect probably in Europe too. I mean, uh, eight hundred thousand. When you start talking about all the real estate together, that's not extremely wealthy. That's, you know, not poor. It's not poverty level. It's, I don't even. It might not even be middle class level, but it's definitely not the the. The one percent, kind of. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's just to be clear. Um, we also have all of those other taxes. Um, we have the um, you know real estate tax you're talking about. We also have that, although it's being discussed right now. It might disappear, but we also have that. We have, of course, obviously income tax and all of this. Um, uh, just to give you an idea, in 2013, there were a little bit over 300,000 uh, households that paid that uh, fortune tax. So it is not, you know, a, a few thousand people. It's a significant amount of uh, the population. And it brought in about 4.4 billion euros to the state. So it's not peanuts, but it's still not, you know, something that will change the state's budget. Um and so, on average, per per, per uh, uh, household, it was per household that paid it. It was fourteen thousand euros. That's all from the Wikipedia page on this topic. Um, and so, Wikipedia is the source of truth. So let's run. Obviously, that. obviously. <laughs> my I, concern. I oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, Tony. Yeah, go no, ahead, Tony. Go. All right. My concern with this, to me, if, if say we decided to implement something like this, is the feeling of being double taxed. I'm being taxed when I make the money and then i'm being taxed for having the money but it's the same money that that's my would be my concern on going to that policy now you guys have had that policy so are there any kind of does anyone say anything about that 
Yes. Yeah, that's the main. I mean, there there are a couple of criticisms towards that policy and the the you know, the topic is not something people agree about in France. It's there are very many people that are against this tax, uh, lots of people that are for it, but yeah, the concerns are double taxation, which feels unfair even if you're very rich. Um and the other thing is it's a, a rich person repellent. Uh, especially since it's basically it only exists in France, it's like it it sends a very negative message towards people that uh, are wealthy or have become wealthy or are successful, and that's an argument that that people make. Um, and the argument that people who are for it make is basically they're very, very, very wealthy, and the you know eight hundred thousand euros threshold could be debated, but I think people. We have a, a different opinion about health. Maybe 800,000 people, uh, euros would be considered, you know, obscenely uh, rich in our country for, for many, um, for many citizens. But, uh, yeah, the, 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 the feeling is it's fine. They're rich. They can handle it. They can, they, they need to contribute, uh, to the well being of society. And I think this is one of the examples where France leans more to the left than many other countries. Um, but yeah. So, uh, Turkey, any thoughts on this? Talking about tax, what am I supposed to say about tax when we don't have tax? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have well, no well, tax at all? That's that Well, can't... actually, we only started to have, well, there's corporate tax, and that's only for uh, foreign companies. We have that, so but so it doesn't affect us. We never discuss it. We only the concept of tax only started in Saudi as uh, citizens has been with they implemented excess tax, which is basically for soft drinks and uh, tobacco. So those are very high taxes. They just increased the price. The tax was for tobaccos hundred percent and uh, soft drinks fifty percent. So it's basically and, national health incentive yeah. things, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and we're now in the process of implementing VAT. So that's the first tax right, ever it, yeah. for us, mm. and uh, they have they have reached a point where it looks like on January first, twenty eighteen, we will be implementing VAT in Saudi. Thankfully, it's a very low percentage compared to the most of the world. It's only five percent, but oh, it will rise. I think that's give it time. Oh it yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it definitely, it's going to rise. That I'm sure of that. It's just that I think that's the first introduction to tax for almost everybody in this country. Interesting uh, tidbit uh, of you know nugget of information here. Did you know that VAT was also uh, invented in France and that it was. Uh, regarded as something outrageous by most of the countries in the world um, for uh, a long time. You guys time. are uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I, and it, it's almost everywhere now. Yeah, it is almost everywhere, including, I mean, the U.S. have some form of sales tax, which is not exactly VAT, but many states uh, have sales tax as well. So yeah. even in the U.S. So who knows? Maybe the fortune tax will be spreading around the world as well someday. Maybe not. As I said, it is controversial here as well. Um, so, t Turkey, can I, can I ask how do you how do you pay for public infrastructure? Uh, uh, oil. We are yeah, we are a rich oil. country. You are a rich country, but where does yeah. that work? Where does the payment come from? 
from all the oil that uh, the government sells. The oil is owned by the government, all of it. Ah, right, yeah. Okay, so it's the profits yeah. from the government-owned oil. Yeah. Yeah, that that perfect is a sense. nice. Uh, Makes perfect sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, and you would you would notice that when we have uh, suddenly a boom in infrastructure, usually is when the oil prices is very high. That means there's extra money. You see a huge influx of infrastructure projects, and when the oil prices go down, suddenly the infrastructure projects start to drive up. Mm. So that's basically how it works in Saudi. So now they're trying to diversify, and one of the things they're doing is actually VAT. There are other steps, but I think. For normal citizens, it's mostly the talk right now is VAT. And the interesting part is people kept on thinking, and because this government has no, been known that they would announce something and at the last minute they might cancel it, they might postpone it. And almost everybody, even businesses here, have kept, been telling themselves, oh, it's not going to happen, it will be canceled, they'll postpone, it's going to cancel until the law was officially published in the government newspaper. And the tax authority has started officially registering people, uh, companies for VAT. Now people know it's serious. Are people for or against it? Or like, are there the two camps? Or is it, are people... Uh, I, I think the majority are against. Uh, oh, there's really? a minority okay. that is for. Hmm. Well, the people who are against, they have, they have a... A reason for that, then I'd rather not discuss it in public. All so. right. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, hey, so another thing I didn't want to mention, um, we know that there have been the, the terrorism issues in uh, Spain and actually Finland. There was an attack, a uh, knife attack a few days ago, not too, not too far from, well, it, the biggest, the second biggest town in the country. Um, And I did want to say a couple of things. First of all, I was sur pleasantly surprised um, by the fact that it seems the media or maybe even the authorities have not released the names or the pictures of the perpetrators, or at least I haven't seen them. They haven't been, and I, I would suspect that the media would have widely publicized them if they had been released, either for Spain or for Finland. Um, And by the way, the, the press conference by the authorities in Finland was hilarious. Uh, maybe that's a poor choice of word. I'm sorry. But it was very surprising because the Finns are so uh, quiet all the time. It was so contained. You know, it was so careful, so professional. It was basically, yes, there has been an attack. We are currently investigating the causes. Uh, they do seem, uh, it seems like they could be related to uh, religious so, motivations. But so, it so it wasn't Donald Trump talking? <laughs> well, it wasn't, uh, to be honest, <laughs> it, it felt different from what it feels like in, in most other countries, including the, the, you know, the authorities are usually professional in their, in their press conferences, but this was just, let's make sure it's not blown out of proportion, kind of. Yeah. Um, but the, so there was an, another uh, consequence of this attack in Finland, which was interesting. Uh, my wife was telling me about, of course, it creates some controversies because it was immigrants who, uh, um, who did the attack. There were also some immigrants that uh, got very hurt protecting people. So that was kind of uh, an interesting side uh, story to this. But the bigger story is that um, there is there's a small Muslim population in Finland, um, a few thousand people, I think. But the percentage of um, people joining the ranks of ISIS 
is compared to other countries proportionally a lot higher in Finland than it is in uh well in other countries of course again it's only a small number of people because the the uh, the population is so slow uh, so low uh here but still it's a concern and one of the interesting things is that they do have a mandatory military um service in Finland so every young finnish person has to be uh to go do the military service for a year uh and apparently uh those would be isis members would specifically go to the military service to learn military skills that they could then go and employ in the service of the terrorist group and so that created a huge question even moral philosophical debate of if a person is kind of at risk or we see they're being radicalized should we prevent them from doing the military service which is actually mandatory for everyone else and that is you know one of those questions that is very difficult to answer because of course you know are you sure the person is radicalized and a ton of questions but yeah i thought this was an interesting conundrum that is being uh, uh created by this situation here in in finland um so yeah that was my little additional tidbit of information um all right with the Shadow of Charlottesville still looming over us. Uh Charles, what can you tell us about what's been happening in the lovely land down under? Well, I will I'll give you two options uh, as I, as I sometimes do and get you guys to choose which one you want to talk about. One is a somewhat farcical constitutional crisis where it seems that a good number of our uh, members of parliament uh, seem to be citizens of other countries. And the second is a um a uh, postal plebiscite uh, about same-sex marriage which is uh which is coming up fairly shortly. So Both take your choice. So exciting. I can uh, I can choose. Well, uh, let's go with the, let's uh, go with the, the dual the first, citizenship. The, the first, oh come on, the dual citizenship. That's the most boring, most stupid thing I've been hearing about from that <laughs> down under. Seriously, oh, so you've heard about that one, have you? Oh, yeah. It's it's I heard about it well, too actually, yeah. Let, let's cover it off pretty quickly and Very then we can quickly, perhaps yeah, jump into ahead. the same-sex marriage debate. So so more or less what happened, it, it all started with a barrister who had um, the somewhat unfortunate combination of too much time on his hands and a bit of a passion for the Constitution, who started doing some investigation and digging. And he found that uh, one of the uh, Greens senators was in fact a New Zealand citizen by birth. Now, this particular senator had dual citizenship, but uh, then brought it to his attention that uh, that he was a New Zealand citizen by birth and an Australian citizen. And the Constitution, I think it's Article 44 in the Constitution, more or less says that you, you, you can't have any citizenship or allegiance to any other um to any other country other than Australia when you nominate to stand for parliament it's not just to sit in the parliament it's at the time of nomination 
this this guy had uh, been born in New Zealand, moved to Australia, got an Australian citizenship, and he moved when he was three or four or something like that, and, and simply never renounced his New Zealand citizenship. So that was a bit funny, you know. He resigned, and it was all a bit embarrassing. Oh, he actually then, resigned. It, so just did, so he, we understand he, the context there, that was a, a law that people didn't really know about, is it? Uh, Uh, it was it certainly wasn't front of mind. Right. Uh, now, any good. So it's not um, like he was trying to hide it and to. No, no, know, not right, at all. Right. Not at all. And 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 that that very point becomes germane a little bit later on. So uh, then the, the the next person that found out that they this person happened to be a dual Canadian citizen was in fact the deputy leader of the Greens. So she also stepped down. And can they renounce their little, citizenship? Remember that, yes, they can, but remember that the way the Constitution's written, it is a breach to be a citizen of both countries at the time of nomination oh, for. So it's not just standing in Parliament or, or, or occupying a seat. Um, I, I'm sort of imagining that at this point, the major parties have, have, have gone into a bit of a flat spin and got everybody to check their citizenship. And right now, we're up to about seven sitting members of parliament who've identified that they actually hold dual citizenship with other countries, including the deputy prime minister. <laughs> uh, who's a guy by the name of Barnaby Joyce. Now, the, the reason that this is a, as they've called it, constitutional crisis is that the current government has a majority of one in the House of Representatives. The only two members that have stood down are the two Greens. All the others have been referred to the High Court for decision by Parliament. So they're still holding their seats and they're still operating as, as members of Parliament, except for those, those two Greens that have stood down. So in the next oh, probably seven or eight weeks, um, the High Court is going to determine whether the Constitution intended for people who had no idea that they were dual citizens or citizens of, citizens of other countries to be excluded from sitting in parliament on the basis of, of, of that particular provision of the constitution. Mm. The worst, look, it, it's, it's one of those things that's a bit embarrassing, a bit of a public nightmare. Technically, yes, it is a bit of a constitutional uh, kerfuffle, but, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that makes a huge difference to the people that are sitting in the parliament doesn't make any difference to the decisions they make we've got nobody in there who's acting as a double agent for new zealand god only knows why they want to act as a double <laughs> agent for new zealand anyway it's so so it, it, there's no suggestion that there's any nefariousness that's gone on it's it's just a basically a great big administrative cock-up which is taking up too much time of our parliament but it's still i mean considering the issue of the 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 seat, the majority, it does become a super important thing to sort it, out. It does if it gets to the point where the, uh, the people that, um, that, 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 that have been identified in this category actually have to stand down, in particular because the deputy leader of the uh, government, the deputy PM, um, uh, the person that he defeated in his electorate is actually applied to cross-examine him 
in the High Court for 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 for, for his particular case because you know there, there, there's a thought that uh, if he shouldn't have been standing for Parliament and apparently by the letter of the Constitution he shouldn't have been, then uh, he's um, he 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 uh, he needs to well he he there'll be a by-election that seat will go up for election again presumably he can renounce his citizenship stand again for the by-election, but chances are a bit like Macron you know the uh, the ruling parties tend to suffer a bit of a hit with popularity and at the moment the uh, the opposition would uh, would probably win an election in, mm. in a fairly substantial margin if an election were held now so it it does throw things up in the air quite a lot mm. i think i think for me i don't know about the entirety of the of the french population but i think in this case yeah it's a cock up and it's messy and it's ridiculous but kind of the law is the law, and the Constitution says this. If you don't like it, then maybe the, the Constitution should be amended. But at this point, you can't just... It's such a bad precedent if you go like, yeah, well, we're just going to ignore it this time. So there, there <laughs> seems like there shouldn't be any choice. I, th- I think it's all about whether they knew it or not. If they didn't know they had dual citizenship or they thought they renounced it, it shouldn't be counted against them. Seriously. It's well, not like they deliberately hid it and no, went but in it d- against but the, the letter law. of the so, law is if you have the double Pat- citizenship, then Pat- Patrick's you can't point it. is that there, there, is a, there is a definite, you, you can point to some point of fact and say, this is the fact of the situation. If you're saying, I didn't know, then there's a judgment in the in call that's involved. And, mm. and I do understand that um my own personal point of view is that i'd much prefer them to be getting on with dealing with uh, more important issues than than, than <laughs> wasting their time doing this but i do take your point patrick yeah tony the law is the law yeah. right yeah of course we're going to agree 100 percent on this one uh, to me the reason that it's being drug out is because these major party politicians aren't stepping down like the greens did you know if they just step down then you amend it but you can't amend the constitution until all these people that are affected by it are out in my opinion because then you're just amending it to suit a situation that you want to fix you know the ruling party wants to fix it so we're going to fix it so that we stay the ruling party Uh, and i mind i'm with patrick sorry go on Bear in mind that uh, an amendment to the Constitution in Australia requires a referendum. Referenda almost never pass in Australia. Um, It requires a a majority of people in a majority of states uh, as a popular vote, which is a compulsory Mm. popular vote vote to uh, pass an amendment to the constitution um well okay then don't amend it but just don't amend it but just make sure for from now until the end of eternity that you don't have dual citizenship or you renounce the other citizenship if you want to sit in parliament in in the u in the u.s Mm. in australia no yeah but most of most of these patrick people they never they didn't even know they had no of course of course but for the future check make sure yes absolutely Absolutely. Yeah, and, we and, would have found this you, out you, during the election, election <laughs> process. I'm telling yeah, you right so, now. Some, some journalist, <laughs> some reporter would, would have found you, out. 
you could not have done it in the US without somebody finding yeah. out, I'm sure. And and I, I think it's probably fair to say that this will be uh, checked by parties a lot more stringently yeah. than it had been in the past. Um, I think th there's a bit of an assumption. And you know what? One of the things I've discovered around this is that um, citizenship laws and, and having citizenship, it's actually really complex. And it's quite quite likely that if you were born in another country, Patrick, for the sake of the argument, um, what citizenship do you have? Uh, well, so it's very complicated. I could have kept yes. my Greek citizenship, actually. Uh, I could have kept my Greek, Greek citizenship. I, I might still... I didn't renew it. I don't know if I, could, if I should have asked for it. To, okay, he, that's a perfect example. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I have the Greek citizenship. I, I definitely have a French uh, citizenship, but... Um, mm -hmm. I'm not. I, I I would be 95% sure it's only French, but yeah, we'd need to check. Was I to run for office in um, in Australia, I would need to not only get the, <laughs> the Australian citizenship and renounce my French one, but find out if I had a Greek one. So, good point. Uh, so, what about <sighs> that um, that uh, gay ballot thing? Uh, the, the gay ballot thing, that's that's an interesting choice of words. So um, <laughs> at the moment in Australia, same-sex marriage is not legal. Quick straw poll, is it legal in France? Yes. Is it legal in Finland? Yes. Uh, Turkey? <laughs> I think gays don't exist in, in Saudi Arabia. I'm, 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 I'm offering you the opportunity to contribute. <laughs> and and, and uh, Tony, state by sometimes. state in the US? Yeah, yeah sometimes. state by state. Yeah, state by state in the US. So, so essentially, it's, 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 it's not legal in Australia. States have tried to legalize it. I think at least one state in the Northern Territory has tried to legalize it. But the federal government's come over the top and said, you actually don't have to the power to change the Marriage Act. Um, it is, it, the High Court's ruled that this is not a constitutional question, so it's, it's a change to the Marriage Act that the Parliament can make. There is no doubt from opinion polls that the majority of Australians support same-sex marriage. The government, the existing government, is not allowing members of Parliament... Um, or, or members of their party to vote on this as a conscience vote. They have to vote along party lines, which means that any bill around marriage equality is not getting through the House of Representatives. They went to the last election saying, we're going to do uh, what's called a plebiscite. It's different from a referendum because it's actually not binding at all, uh, which is basically a massive government-funded opinion poll where they'll ask the question, do you support same-sex marriage? Um, that, uh, that got nailed by uh, the, the opposition for a range of reasons. And so the government's now said, well, we went to the, uh, went to the polls saying that we would do this, this plebiscite. Um, we can't do a walk-up ballot plebiscite, so we're going to do a postal vote. So in a couple of weeks, everybody who's registered to vote in Australia will get a letter asking them to vote yes or no on same-sex marriage. Um, the, the, the reason that this is a bit of a bit of an issue, uh, or, or is is, is uh, hitting the news a bit, is a couple of reasons. One, as I mentioned before. There's not a lot of doubt, based on opinion polls, that the majority of voters support 
same-sex marriage. So the government's about to spend, and uh, and this might sound like small because in your world, but it makes it means a lot to us, a bit over $100 million to ask a question that they already know the answer to. Second thing is that by creating the public debate, there's a fear and a risk that it will become quite... Um, divisive, quite vindictive, uh, and and quite uh, quite quite a quite an aggressive debate from from the from the yes and the no sides. And if 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 your public debate in 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 France, Finland, Saudi Arabia, and the United States is anything like what's happening in Australia, people are actually rapidly losing the ability to have a public debate on the facts of the issue and it's very much becoming about personality and becoming about half-truths and becoming about three-word slogans. So the, uh, the, the the public debate that exists around this is, is going to get very muddy, quite messy and probably not addressing the core issues. So we, we might be in for a little divisive time here in the campaign so leading up to the postal vote. Are you advocating that we shouldn't ask the people what they want? Are you saying the parliament should vote in 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 secret? And you know, I I'm playing, but there is some some truth to it. I so mean, if 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 it, the if you're if you're assuming if you're assuming as a going in position that the parliament don't know what the people want, that might make some sense. But opinion polls, I don't know, man. I'm I'm playing just a tiny little bit of devil's advocate here because I think everyone on the show knows, listening to the show, knows I am for uh, same-sex marriage and I've detailed the reasons why in a lengthy blog post you can find on uh, patrickbeja.com. Go go look up, uh, search for marriage on that website and you'll find it. And it's, I think it's a very, it's a reasoning that makes a lot of sense. But... Yes, probably everyone is for it and opinion polls are right and everything. But if the situation is stuck and politically, it's a real problem. If politically it's it's not possible to do for reasons that might seem dumb, I don't know. I, it seems to me like it, let's if you have the plebiscite and mm -hmm. people return with a resounding yes then the thing is kind of settled and the people have spoken and that's it. Interestingly, right? no, it's not. I mean, they have to vote it, but if they don't, then no, it, it no, looks really no. shitty. They, they, well, they don't have to vote it. They, they, they have the option of not voting it in. Uh, they right. can they can continue to uh, to delay the vote or uh, d d delay passing the bill. There is there is nothing binding about the plebiscite. The plebiscite is actually seen largely as a delaying tactic. The okay, other so point you think they're not sincere. Oh, well, look, I, I, you know what? I actually think there are genuinely enough people in the parliament who want to see the uh, marriage equality passed, but for 
political reasons, it's a difficult thing for them to engineer. Exactly. Put yeah. that aside. Yeah. Put that aside. If, with with this particular postal vote, it not being a compulsory vote, we, we have compulsory voting in Australia, but this particular plebiscite is not a compulsory vote. It's a postal vote. You spoke about the, the vagaries of opinion polls. In fact, the way that this vote is structured, it's up to or, or it, it's potentially open to um, uh, political manipulation anyway, because a bit like the Brexit campaign, it's the people who will be motivated enough to vote that will get out there and vote. And if we consider the extremes of both debate or both sides of the debate, my guess would be, and this is only a guess, this is a completely uninformed guess, is that the people who have strong opinions on no to same-sex marriage, which would be ultra-conservatives, church groups, so on and so forth, might actually outnumber the people who have strong opinions on marriage equality. The vast majority of people will be for marriage equality, but maybe might not be motivated to, to, to cast the yes vote because they think it should be a bit of a fait accompli. That's mm. a bit of concern. I don't know whether that's actually going to happen or not. That's, that's just conjecture. Yeah. But, uh, but, right. but, but uh, it, it, it's just as open to manipulation as, a, um, as a, uh, an, an opinion poll, depending on how you ask the question. The other point being that the question that will be asked is is not subject to review. It's framed by the Prime Minister or the Cabinet. So how that question gets asked, we, we don't have any direct input into. All, all right, in t- all, it's a shitty way of deciding the question. Mm. Tony, any thoughts on the matter? Uh, well, first of all, I want to correct myself. The United States is nationwide. Um, gay marriage is legal. It's not state by state anymore. Um, so oh, I apologize really? for that. Okay. And, yes. Yeah. Um, I I looked it up because I thought that didn't sound right what I just said. And okay. there was a Supreme Court ruling on the 26th of uh, 2015, June 26, 2015. But anyway, um, about what you guys are doing, Charles, what you said makes a lot of sense about especially that part about and I don't know the numbers. I don't really know much about Australia, but the the hard well, I'll use the terms I'm familiar with in the United States, the hard conservative groups that maybe wouldn't be in favor of it might outnumber the hard liberal groups that would, so that could create a problem for you guys. Um, so, yeah, that I see where that could be an issue, and I see where that could be very concerning for you. Mm. It's, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I, can, I think I understand uh, what you're saying, uh, Charles, and, and, you know, what you're agreeing with, Tony. I'm just... A stickler for the rules and sometimes the rules are crappy but what i get down to is ultimately that's all we have if everything else is taken yep. away yep kind of it's it's the same as you know the 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 discussion about the dual citizenship and the if if you start playing around with those and it's possible but of course when that happens i think we should stand up for i mean personally i would stand up for the rules and this seems like it's being done they're using the the rules in kind of a crafty way but you're still playing within the you know um in point of fact they're making the rules up as they go along oh um and so so the the idea of a i'm i'm not a young person i'm not a very old person never in my life has has there been any mention of a plebiscite 
other no, but they than don't with have respect to, do to this. They don't have no, to they vote don't for have it. To. They don't have to no. decide on, on same-sex marriage. They could just say, yeah, sorry, we don't think it's a, it's a good thing. So, yeah, we'll let the next okay. uh, government do it. That, that's absolutely true. Um, there, there is no question about that. If they were following one set of rules, another set of rules, the vote that gets put to the parliament would be voted on by the... Um, uh, by the uh, members of parliament as they saw fit and the bill would have been passed many, many years ago. The rules that are being played by are effectively party line rules or backroom rules that the public don't get to vote on. But the public so votes me- on electing the members of parliament. They sure. don't get to vote uh, on every piece of legislation. No, they don't, and nor should they yeah, get yeah, to vote exactly. on every piece of legislation, and that's precisely the point. The point is that if the parliament were able to do its job and vote as they are fully aware the majority of people want to do or, 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 or wish the direction to, to go in, then this would be a non-issue. The bill would have but, been passed and we would have moved on by now. But you know that that and I'm surprised that I'm taking this side of the argument. I honestly am. <laughs> no, I, but I, I'm glad you are. But but um, so the, uh, no, essentially, but just let me like, let me like, address what you what you just said. Uh, the the way governments and democracies work is not to put someone in place that will do, you know, that that they decide will do this or that specifically on every issue. They put someone in place that they trust to make the right decisions. Yes, there are campaign uh, points that people will make and they will say, we'll do this or that, and you can reasonably expect that they will do that. But once that's happened, then the people who are politicians and, and public servants are the ones who, are, who should be, quote-unquote, trusted to make the decisions. And we're not going to be babysitting them, and, and they shouldn't, you know, ask us for every decision they have to make. That's why being a politician is so difficult, and it's an actual job, and it creates some, you know, controversies sometimes in the public because people say, oh, they don't understand, you know, the intricacies of government work and political work, and that creates frustration. But I strongly believe that all of the things that are being regarded as, you know, backroom thing and and there there is some uh, playing around with the rules, but ultimately the you're saying if they did put this to vote and then they would do what the majority of the people want. I don't think politicians should make their decisions based – it's a controversial thing, but I don't think they should make their decisions based on what the majority of the people want because – these issues are sometimes complex and difficult to understand in their entirety. And your job as a politician is to understand them in their entirety. Um, let's so go to the in the short, case of same-sex ma- marriage... I, I, let's let's go, go to on. the short version of what Patrick just said. Mm. He's anti-gay marriage. End of <laughs> <laughs> in, in, a, in, in a roundabout way, Patrick, I think we're actually in violent agreement on this, mm-hmm. but it's a good discussion point in any case um so your your notion that the 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 parliament or the elected representatives should be entrusted to govern on 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 as they see fit i absolutely agree with if they were uh, uh and in fact the idea of a plebiscite 
for this particular issue runs absolutely counter to that, yes? Uh, I don't know. I mean, a plebiscite. If It seems to me like the government doesn't want to implement same-sex marriage, right? Um, not precisely, and this is where it's even more complex than that. See, the government, there, there are enough people in the government that would support same-sex marriage for the bill to be passed in Parliament. So they don't want to appear like they're leaning What? too much to the left? They don't want to pass the bill. It's not that there is, as individuals they don't agree with same-sex marriage, but for a range of political reasons they don't want to pass the bill because there is a faction within the current, um, uh, current governing parties that is uh, ultra-conservative. So that's all about internal politics. Mm. So they would lose the support of that fringe and then that would mean that they can't um, keep governing properly anymore. Yeah, they, 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 would, uh, well, they, they would suffer internal turmoil and then get rooted at the next general election, probably. You know, as... So, as so, yeah. All right, so, and, and then let's move um, on. But. So, so by, by putting this to a plebiscite, they're doing precisely the thing that you're arguing against, and I actually agree with you on this, which is saying, eh, you know what, you've entrusted us to govern, but we don't want to make that decision, we're going to put it to the people. On this one issue, which in fact they already know what the outcome of that will be. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying you either do it, you don't do it, you, you park it for the next government, that would be a fine, well, not a fine outcome. I'd much prefer to see us have uh, marriage equality as law. But, um, but, but that, that's a more reasonable outcome than a potentially divisive social debate, which is going to cause a lot of harm to a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, I can understand. I can see that aspect of it as well. I'm just, in that case, why are they, they doing the plebiscite at all? Why aren't they just saying... Well, let's. We won't do it. So uh, because because they campaigned on a plebiscite. Uh, oh right, right, at the right. last Saying, at yeah, the last okay. general election. All right. Uh, All right. And well, I would have strong doubts as to whether that was the issue that on that uh, most people cast their vote on. Mm. Well, you know what? Let's hope the plebiscite says yes, and then they ha they are even more. Uh, you know, their hand is forced to do it. We'll see what happens. Maybe <laughs> to maybe the extent that it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Turkey, what's been happening in Saudi Arabia? Well, in Saudi Arabia, the biggest news right now is we have just started the Hajj season, which is basically the yearly pilgrimage of Muslims to the holy city of Mecca. Uh, we have already around just over one and a half million people have arrived into the, the country to perform the pilgrimage and more to come. Uh, the first day of pilgrimage is um, on Thursday, um, if, my, if I'm not wrong. So I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, the government is at full force preparing for that huge influx. There will be, at the end of the day, around 3 million people, all in the same place, very small place, moving around, performing their uh, religious pilgrimage in Saudi. I so you talk about this it's every what 10 months or it's every know? year One, once every a year. year is it yeah it's once year? a year i thought it was on a different calendar well okay. well because it's a different calendar it's the the lunar calendar right the so lunar calendar around, yeah. yeah because there's a difference of 11 days between the gregorian calendar and the lunar calendar so it shifts 11 days every year 
Okay. So I yeah. think I might have asked this uh, before, but of course, it's a very, you know, holy uh, uh, event and it's very reflexive for a lot of people and religious and all of this. How commercial is it? Because three million people coming to a city, however holy it is, there are going to um, be some people who want to make money off of them, right? Well, well uh, commercial, yeah, of course, it's kind of commercial in the way that it's uh, economically a huge boost to exactly, the country. Yeah. Because everybody's coming in. Uh, for one, you have to cut, you, you, uh, Saudi does not allow any more individuals to come alone. They have to come through a tour. Uh, and uh, so that's organized by a, a company, either uh, mostly local companies, because they have to organize for you housing. There's areas in this pilgrimage where they are housed into tents. They also need to organize their movement, the move uh, between uh, different areas, whether they use buses, walking, or using the uh, tram system and train system, and so on. So it's very commercialized. I think. Uh, in, a, in its own way that you actually spend money. Uh, but it's not commercialized to the point that when you go and see it on TV, you'd sign, see commercial signs everywhere. <laughs> and pe people's and st stalls everywhere and people buying and so on. Uh, it's actually to the point that there was an attempt to commercialize it, especially from some, some companies like telecom companies in Saudi, where they were giving away free umbrellas and the, all the umbrellas had their logos on them. Mm. So it was a huge fight. And uh, the government has kept come in and kind of put the control to, the, to it because it was so commercialized to the point that one company would give out umbrella, then the other company would come in and they would go to these pilgrims, take the umbrellas and give them two umbrellas in their logo instead. <laughs> and, and that, yes. I, I imagine, was not like that was pushing it. Oh, yeah, that was very pushing it. The government had to interfere and had to stop them. Uh, it, at the end of the day, the, uh, there's two levels of commercialism in this, uh, which is one, all of these uh, tour guides and these uh, companies that organize the pilgrimage for these pilgrims. So that's the number one. And then all of these pilgrims, and usually this is usually uh, at the end of the pilgrimage, at the last few days of pilgrimage they start going out to the malls to the shopping districts to the souks mm. and so on and they start buying like crazy and taking it back home with them uh, some of them see these as uh, uh, gifts from a holy site although most of them are made in uh, china and in india but anyway <laughs> so <laughs> so, so. <laughs> yeah. what exactly do you do when you make that pilgrimage i i you know i know about hajj but i never yeah. You yeah, just well, go there and walk around the thing and well, that's it? it? Yeah, no, there is a specific system and a path that you take. It usually starts with you going to the holy city of Mecca, residing there until the day of the pilgrimage. And when the day of pilgrimage comes in, you start to move to a different location. Uh, it's a mountain area. Uh, and where you settle in for the day, you perform prayers there. And then you move on to different locations after that. And and there is a stoning of a symbol. There's, there are three symbols that represent the devil that you're supposed to stone. On, and then you also, if you can afford it, you're supposed to sacrifice an animal and so on. So it's it's kind of a long journey. It's, it's in its own way, but it's all in... Uh, 
official it's about in four days or five days mm. a journey and that you have to perform you move around you do these specific acts where you th- collect stones in one area then you go to where the these uh, pillars that represent the devil and you have to stone the devil well you don't actually stone Imagine the devil all the infrastructure like you have to have people bring the stones back like all the time oh yeah because yes, there's three yes. million people yes. doing this yeah 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 that's that happens and there was huge projects where they, they also have crowd control uh throughout time we had a lot of uh, disasters where overcrowding and pushing ended up with people dying because mm-hmm. of this we had to have a lot of infrastructure build it up controlling the crowd, different languages are implemented all around the, the place and so on. And, and it's huge. It's huge. It's uh, for garbage. They had to implement a system where you, they can't just go around and empty all the, these garbage cans, especially with three million people are there at the same time. So they implemented a system where all the garbages are connected together and you just throw it in and it's sucked to the central garbage collection center. Wow. So you don't have all the garbage collected in the same place, and then you have to go and empty it and so on. Uh, it's, 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 it's gigantic. To be honest, it's one of the f- things that I am proud of how this government implements because they do take it seriously and they take good care of all these pilgrims when they perform their Hajj. Uh, but as I say, three million people is not easy. We have a lot of struggles with these people, uh, either because of language, uh, poor knowledge, Uh, they, they, or, th- this is one of the pillars of Islam, right? It's one that every yes, Muslim should is, do if they can during their yes, life, every, correct? Every, every capable Muslim is required to perform Hajj once in their life. Mm. Yes. How so, many Muslims are there worldwide, do you know? Oh, there's over a billion. I'm not sure exactly. It's it's one one billion something, and I'm not ex- sure exactly how much. Mm. So so you have all of those people, and if if you can afford doing the pilgrimage, you are required to perform it. So and that's the other problem we have: uh, get controlling these people, making sure the government has initiated a long time ago through the uh, organization of Islamic countries, where the government gives a quotation to each country. A specific number of people are allowed to perform Hajj from that country, and then that country gives away those uh, permits to their people. And then you have the problem, and and the same problem we had here. It was open for people who reside in Saudi, whether expats or Saudis, to perform Hajj. Then the government decided, okay, this is getting out of control. Too many people were performing from inside Saudi. So also, if you live in Saudi, you have to get a permit to perform Hajj, and you're only allowed. To, to get a permit in Saudi if you're a Saudi citizen or an expat living in Saudi every three years, mm. you're allowed to perform Hajj. So you're not allowed to do it every single year because there were people who would go every single year and perform Hajj. And mm. that's just made overcrowding and uh, making it more difficult for the people who never did Hajj in their lives and to do it. Right. So it's, 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 it's a gigantic, it's a gigantic project. It's uh, hopefully this time it will pass without any accidents or deaths. Uh, uh, and, and I think the biggest, the number one problem we face during pilgrimage and Hajj is uh, trying to educate the people performing the Hajj. A lot of these people a good percentage of them are undereducated people, poor people who are coming from third world countries who really don't know much about the pilgrimage or about uh, what they're supposed to do. 
there's actually people who would go to these pillars that represent the devil. They actually think the devil is inside the pillar. Really? Which is, they actually believe in that, and they would go, they would throw shoes at the pillar because they want to insult the devil. They would throw, it's, it's ridiculous, you would see all the slippers they collect with the stones that are thrown at the devil. And people cursing the devil as they throw some mm. stuff at him. So, this is one of the things, it's, uh, in Islam, so, those pillars wait a second. symbolize the devil. That we don't believe the devil is there at all. Right, so there's there's kind of a, like... Does it? I I have no idea how it actually works, but in the Quran they actually say, you know, you should stone the pillars. Like, does it say as a symbol of the devil, or does it say the devil is in the pillars, or is it like open to interpretation? And the Saudi government and scholars say, well, it's a symbol. No, it's not no, actually no. In there. All, all, all scholars agree unanimously that it symbolizes the devil. There's no devil in there. Mm. If the devil is in there, then why are there three stones? Where is he? Is he in the first one, second one, or third <laughs> one? Or which? <laughs> no, everybody okay. uh, religiously, the scholars all agree it symbolizes the devil. Uh, the story, and I could be wrong about the story, is that these represent the locations where the devil stood trying to, I think it was the prophet Abraham, trying to tell, to uh, corrupting against God. Mm. So those are the places where he's, the devil stood to trying to corrupt him. So it just symbolizes him, and, and that's why they try to stone it and so on. Okay. All right. Well, interesting. Um I didn't realize that the the government, Saudi government had to issue uh, a number of permits f for every country for well, if, to if limit they, the if number. Trust me, if they don't do that, we would have easily 10 million people yeah, trying to crap into a place that's hardly even able to handle yeah. 3 million people. It's funny. It's like, uh, well, <laughs> silly comparison. But if you ever want to go to the uh, Ghibli Museum in Tokyo... Uh, you actually have to get your um, permit before, your, to buy your ticket before in your own country because there's too many people who want to go there. Although, Yeah, and I think there's a waiting list of three or six months to get there. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> We went there and there was a, a, a waiting list. Uh, it's not three million people a year, though. It's a little bit less, I'm sure. Well, I don't think that studio is as big as a city or an area. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's relatively small. Um. <laughs> All right, uh, so let's uh, move on to Tony and the United States of America. Uh, isn't that the United States of Trump? Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. He'd, he'd probably be okay with that, but no. <laughs> probably. Um, so for, I think, one of the... Well, you know what? I'll ask questions afterwards if I have any. Um, hey, Tony, what's been happening in the U.S.? What's been making headlines? Were, yeah, I wish there was more to tell. I mean, we had a pretty big trade between the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> I figure that's what you're all here to yeah, listen yeah, to, yeah, right? Clearly. Yeah, what, what's the uh, what's the thought? Who came out on top on that one? Uh, Cavs, I think. Um, <laughs> as long as um, as long as Thomas is healthy, you know, I think they, they got more assets, and Thomas is a really good point guard. Now he's used to controlling the ball just like Kyrie was. So I don't know how he'll get along with LeBron, who likes to control the ball. But I think the Cavs came out ahead. Yeah, I think... How about the MLS? Getting... How's, how's the scores in that? The what? <laughs> the MLS. Uh, I don't know. 
<laughs> I have your, no idea what you sports people are talking about. Major no League idea. Soccer. Major oh, League right, soccer. right, right. No, I, I know LeBron. LeBron James. I know. He plays basketball. So that's how I understood you were talking about basketball. Yeah, I was joking a little bit, but Charles hit me with an actual question. So, you know, basketball is <laughs> my sport, so I had to answer it. But no, you that's know, the... Enough. The Trump stuff, the the infighting between the two sides, that's that's all that's going on right now in America. So, yeah, that's that's really what I want to talk about, uh, if it's okay with you. I want to talk about the, obviously, the thing that was the most shocking for, I think, everyone in probably in the world, and it seems very many people in the U.S., was that, obviously, that Charlottesville... Uh, event thing that sure. happened and um yeah the 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 demonstration there and of of course the reaction of uh donald trump so and that's why i'm nervous um what did you think <laughs> of all of this tony well um let's where to start goodness okay so first of all uh as I've been on this show a, couple, a few times, and uh, everyone that's heard me probably knows I'm I'm a conservative, uh, Christian, Republican guy. Um, I do not share the views of the um, white supremacists uh, that were at the Charlottesville rally. I think they are despicable human beings. They are disgusting. They're racist. They're horrible. So uh, let's just get that out of the way right now. Um, I think that now I'm going now that I got that easy stuff out, I'm going to say the controversial stuff. Um, the First Amendment gave them a right to be there. Uh, they did what they needed to do to gather legally. Uh, what they had to say and the way they did it was disgusting, but they do have the right to be there. And I think the First Amendment is important because I can't shut someone down just because I don't agree with what they say. Mm. Now, yep. you want to go? The, you want me to keep going, or you want to stop there? Um, no, I mean keep keep <laughs> going. I'll have I'll have questions afterwards. Sure. I'm sure. But um... well, I was writing notes down everyone else's during everyone else's stuff. So feel free to jot down some notes during mine. I know you'll have some <laughs> sure. stuff you want to come back to. Sure. Um, the violence was horrible. It was sad. Um, I put and I had a I had a Twitter argument discussion about this uh, right after it happened. I put the vast majority of the responsibility for that violence on the white supremacists. Um, if they hadn't been there saying their disgusting things, the people that uh, reacted to them wouldn't have been there. So I do. Um, I also put some smaller, much smaller amount of responsibility on the other side who attacked them. Um, And just because I say that, I've had people already say that I'm a Nazi. I'm not a Nazi. Um, I just think that if one group is standing around saying stupid, horrible things, and another group comes up and ready for violence, both groups are ready for violence, 
both groups hold some responsibility. I put more responsibility on the more disgusting group, which is the white supremacists, but there's responsibility. In the words of Trump, well, I don't want to say many sides because it's two sides, but on both sides. So, um, yeah. Go ahead. No, please. You know, I, I think I might surprise people here, but I can live with most of what you're saying. Um, okay. I, I, I was ready to be feisty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think the, the reason why I can live with what you're saying is what you did in the beginning, which is basically Nazis are bad, period. Yes. And that's the most and important thing, the first thing you have to say before you say anything else, right? And sorry, yes. go ahead. I'll, I'll, I have no. more, but... Okay. Well, I, I want to talk about Trump's responses because I agree with... I mostly agree with everyone else. I don't agree that him saying there were multiple sides at fault was the end of the world. I don't agree with that. There were multiple sides at fault. That's obvious. I agree with everyone that said he should have absolutely denounced the KKK, the white supremacists, the Nazis, whatever you want to call them. I think all of those groups were well represented at the uh, Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. He should have condemned the, that side. I also think he should have condemned the Antifa side who um, initiated violence against the, the white supremacists. Um, so that was his first response. He could have done better. That's how I, he should have done it. His second response was great. His second response, I thought, was spot on. It you mean was the forced everything. one he, he yes. belched uh, two days later? <laughs> and I agree. He was probably, uh, I, I won't say forced. I don't know that you can force him to do anything. But mm. he was encouraged, encouraged yeah. strongly to make that second response. And it was a good one. You know, if he would just stop there. Great. <laughs> but he doesn't. He goes out a third time and just blows it. Um, mm. it you know, what's the alt-right? What is the, I don't know what the alt-right. Do you know what the alt-right? That's stupid. He knows what the alt-right is. I really think my, my issue with the climate right now is immediately as soon as someone sees something, and I'm going to say – left-right terms. As soon as someone on the left sees something they don't agree with that they don't like, the word Nazi is coming out. It's coming out really fast, mm. and I don't like it. Um, people that are not anywhere close to being Nazis are being called Nazis, and I'm not saying the people in Charlottesville. They, they, were, they were wearing swastikas and doing salutes. Call them Nazis. But someone that says, well, you know, maybe Antifa holds some response. That, that doesn't mean they're a Nazi, and that's getting old. I don't think, and this is all just me think. This is all my opinion. Right, I have right. no but proof. Just but, like no one else has proof of the opposite. But I don't think Trump is a KKK supporter. Okay, I think his issue when he was doing all these responses was he's a narcissist and he wants his base to love him, and he's well aware. And he needs to. I'm telling you right now, I think he needs to disavow, distance himself from the alt-right. But he feels like he can't because he wants to, all, all his base to love him. So he kind of mm. what's he, he, he snuck around the situation without absolute. I mean, he disavowed them, but then he took it back a little bit. Yeah. And I don't agree with what he did. 
but I don't think that means he's a racist. I think that means he's a narcissist no. that wants people to love him. Yeah. And I mean, you don't have any proof that he's a racist, just like well, I don't have any proof that okay, he's not. Okay, at some point you can't read someone's mind, but uh, to go back just a little bit, I, sure. I, I understand that you know there is going to be some measure and it's basically what you said uh but i agree with most of it there is some measure of responsibility by both groups sure if you put nazis in one place and people who hate nazis in another place it, i mean in the same place yes at some point there is there might be violence and there might be some uh someone who you know responded to a salute with a shove and then the shove became a punch and yes that might happen but at, just as you said you can't put the people fighting nazis and nazis on the same plane right it's like correct right i think i think we all agree on this and i really think that the entirety and also i mean we didn't even mention it but the uh the the uh dude who run into a crowd with his car killing someone i mean there's not even need to discuss it because i think we all agree that yeah that what that was but there is um you know it's it's when you're talking about i've often wondered where do I put the limit on this show? Like, if you have, just for the sake of argument, uh, actual uh, Stalin believers who come in and start talking about what we should do to people who are like this or like that, that is not great, historically. And the more obvious uh, other extreme is if you have, which are not equivalent, because we don't have actual communists coming and... and Uh, you know, saying we should put this or that person's head on a spike, but the other extreme being Nazis. And I think if we had talked about this a few months ago, if we had said, well, what happens if there are Nazis in the street? I think most people would have said, well, you're exaggerating. And that's the reason why this is so horrible. Because now, if we talk about Nazis, and you're saying, Tony, oh, people call everyone Nazis, and that's not good. I agree. That's not good. We, you shouldn't go to the Godwin point immediately. But in this specific case, it's not even, you know, uh, arguments about Godwin point are invalid because this is actual Nazis. This is literally Nazis and white supremacists. And, you know, and and the most important thing, as we mentioned, was to denounce them. And I don't think Trump has done that. And he, as you said, he was encouraged the second time and then he walked it back very publicly and very strongly. Um, And if you can't, you know, assume that there is some racism in a person when they refuse to denounce racists and Nazis, I don't know how, when you can, you know, when do you decide that someone is probably a bit racist and not a good person, If what else do they have to do? Like, if you want to talk about... There are many other things that are debatable. You know, do they employ these kinds of people? Do they say this? Do they uh, argue for this or that piece of policy? All of these, I think you can say, 
well, yeah, this is kind of anti that group or anti that group, but really there are other reasons for this and you can argue about it. When there are Nazis, literal, actual Nazis in the street, and the president, a person in, in a, a, a responsibility, in a position of responsibility, refuses to say Nazis are bad, it, that makes that, I don't know what else can, you know, give the reasonable indication, not the proof, but the reasonable indication that that person is a racist. And I really think that this was a stark contrast because everyone in the U.S., I think, not everyone, but many, 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 many people in the U.S., including on the right, had the quote-unquote correct reaction, which is saying Nazis are bad. That's all is required. That's all that's required. And most of them did it. And Trump obviously, you know, stood up like a sore, thro- a sore <laughs> throat, sore thumb, um, because he couldn't say Nazis are bad. And that is important. And if you don't infer uh, any conclusions on someone's character through that, then you never can. You can't read his mind and you never can read anyone's mind. You know, there. when, again, no Godwin point, because we're actually talking about Nazis, I'm sure that some people were defending some of the, uh, you know, uh, Nazi party ideology before uh, uh, 39 and a little bit before that, because they were saying, well, this is the reason, this is why economically and, you know, scientifically and whatever, you can always defend it. But at one point you have to, and I guess that brings me to uh, another question i don't know do you I, I guess you don't think he's a racist but how do you still support the guy do you think he's you know i, I asked you a long time ago what would he, he need to do in order for him to lose your support as a voter um and i can't remember what the response was but what does he i don't understand do you still support the guy do i s- do I support him? Well, let's let's break that down to would I vote for him in the next election? And that's the and I'll be honest, it totally depends on who he's running against. Um, he says, let's, say, let's super- make this fun. Let's say he's running against Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I'd vote for him again. Seriously? Yes, because there is there's good Trump and there's bad Trump. And I think that I'm honest enough with myself to recognize the two. Now, you have called me out on whether or not he's racist. We can go back to that. We might end up being there all day. Um, He did denounce them. You say it was forced. I say it was encouraged. Either way, he was pressed into denouncing them. But the the fact is people say that he he didn't do it, but he did. Just 30 yeah. seconds. You, there is one topic in the world where you can't have it both ways. One topic. It's Nazis, literal Nazis. You can't give him a pass because he said at one point, again, as you said, if he had stopped after the second time, I would agree with you. I would say, well, he ended up denouncing them. Okay, I still think he might be a racist, but fair enough. He did. He went through the motions. But... You on that one topic, it's not gun control. It's not the 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 abortion. It's not all of those incredibly divisive topics. 
It's Nazis walking in the streets of the U.S. You, you can't say, well, he kind of denounced it. Well, let's take a step back for a second, okay? And I'm not going to say there were many good people at the Charlottesville yeah, Unite the Right don't. rally. Um, because I watched video, I didn't see good people there. But I also didn't see all not. You got to remember that group was comprised of multiple groups, all despicable, all gross, but not all Nazis. I mean, you're saying that's the one thing he no, can't Nazis do. No, Nazis and racists, and the thing is, Nazis and racists and white supremacists and KKK, right, right. all bad. Um, so now you made me forget where I was going with that. Oh, sorry, <laughs> that's okay. You were, you, I was um, asking about the if you would vote for him again, and you said, well, you know, he walked it back, and he's not really. We don't know. There's good Trump and bad Trump, is what you were saying. There is uh, some of the things that he's done. I agree with some of the things. Mostly the things that he's said, I disagree with. But you know, you you asked if it was Hillary Clinton up against him. I don't like what she would bring toward my my personal way of life, which is, you know, um, well, I already got into my background. So I think most people with with knowledge of her and her philosophies would know why I have problems with what she might bring to the table. Um, I, I like some of the things he's done. Now, I think he needs to focus on policy and not talking, uh, and he'd do a lot better, but... What are some of the things that you like that he's done, just so you understand, because I'm kind of... I like his appointment of Gorsuch as to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. I agree with what he has said recently about um, the sending the additional troops to Afghanistan and his philosophy there. I agree with his um, limiting of illegal immigration. I agree with his philosophies on legal immigration. I agree. Mm. Go ahead. No, I mean, I I, I understand all of these, and those are conservative uh, issues on which you fall on the conservative side. I'm just... It's getting to a point with everything that's happened, and especially with this, with this, him refusing to to denounce the, um, the, the those white supremacists. I guess I get back to to another form of the question: is what are you willing to sacrifice to get? And that's not a question to you, Tony. It's a question, a philosophical re- uh, question to, that everyone should ask themselves, which is, what are you willing to sacrifice of your beliefs to get another part of your, you know, of what you you believe is important? And it's kind of a road to hell is paved with good intentions. And it feels like now with Trump, it's like, yeah, you know, he says this, he does that. But at least he's getting, uh, uh, you know, a conservative on the Supreme Court. But at least he's getting, um, you know, defunding uh, some of the uh, health care uh, uh, administration that we don't care for, like uh, 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 family planning and stuff like that. And I really wonder, I mean, sure, there are some 
yes, good things that, quote unquote, good things that a conservative administration is going to bring. But what are you sacrificing for it? And and I would have thought that this was the the, the breaking point. You know, it's like, I'm sorry, but again, KKK and Nazis, if you, if we can't start the, com- kind of, this is where I'm coming from. You can't start the conversation if the, the Nazis are in the street and the person doesn't say, yes, the Nazis are bad. Because if you don't say that, and let's not meander about whether or not he said it, because I think that we all agree he walked it back. Um, if you don't say that, then you normalize it. Then you make it acceptable in some form. Then you, yet then that becomes, the, the, the movement increases. And I think this is morally a, a difficult question because it means that people would have to disavow someone that they or policies that they might have thought were important but that's a hard choice that i think people should should make i don't know how to explain this better but it's like racism and that kind of overt preaching of of uh um prejudice and hatred is where the line should be drawn and anything that comes after that, yes, Supreme Court appointee, sure. And by the way, he's already there, so you got that one. Everything that comes after it, I mean, that should not that the the, the conversation that it becomes a non-starter because the first requirement of the conversation hasn't been met. Does that make sense, or am I crazy? No, no, it make I, I completely get where you're coming from, and I agree. Um, I just how do I want to put this? I don't think I don't believe that he is causing a rise in Nazism in America, and that's that's been said. And if anything is causing a rise in Nazism in America, I believe it's the hard left calling everyone Nazis. Yeah. Oh, come on. If you, not you, if someone (laughs) calls, if someone calls everyone, if if everyone's throwing the Nazi word around and and really, and I'm not defending this. You really think it's happening? Like, maybe I'm not seeing it. Nazism? No, I mean people. Or, people ask calling everyone. I mean, everyone's been calling yes. Nazis everyone uh, for for forever. It's kind of the Godwin point which we discussed. But that's not. Well, I mean, here here's where it comes down to for me: the the Nazism, the KKK, the white supremacy. It's a they're calling it white uh, identity politics, and I believe they're being pushed into that by the other side's identity politics. You see, I I see, I've seen it multiple times online where my opinion doesn't count because I'm a white man. I, and... Well, I mean, that, yeah, that that we could, we could debate about for, for a very long time and we're, yeah, 
I whether I whether I see it or whether it's true. <laughs> no, that that I agree. There is a divide there, but I think there's a difference between uh you know the progressive ideas, socially progressive ideas that are pushing diversity and the you know the 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 movement opposed to that. Well, let me we walk debate, back my but, claim that yeah. Nazi I don't believe Nazism is on the rise. I think that that group is small. It's fringe. Yeah, that it's I agree very, yeah. very small. But it's getting publicized, so people think it's bigger than it is. You I know, do the agree people that big. disagree with it think it's bigger than it is. You know, I, I think it would have been perfect if Trump has de- had denounced them. It would have been what it was, which is a fringe group, which is, uh, uh, you know, kind of a... a has always been there, always, and probably always will be there. And we definitely should not be paying that much attention to them, except that the president is not condemning them. So he is, you know, emboldening them and it, it is he's legitimizing them. And that is a problem. And that's why I'm saying that should be a breaking point for people who are reasonable and who support him it it should be a breaking point where it becomes well sorry but it, and and maybe it was car- a caricature when i was saying it's you know should would you vote for uh would you not vote for him if it was against clinton is there let me rephrase it is there any democrat that you would vote for or at least not vote at all if he was running against them Okay, or so you even ask a slightly different question, which is if there were an alternative Republican candidate, would you still vote Trump? Let me answer all those. And you you added something that probably would have changed my answer before. Not vote at all. That could happen very easily in the next election. Mm. Even if it's against um, even if, Clinton? You mean? Even if it was against Clinton. It just depends on the way the rest of the term goes out. Is there mm. another Democrat? I would have to see their policies and philosophies. Sure. But definitely, it just depends on what they think. Yeah. Is there another Republican? Absolutely. I voted for another Republican in the primaries. I voted yeah. for Ted Cruz in the primaries. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. yeah, I think most yeah. people would do that. But uh, I, I think, okay, let's let's uh, give the talking stick to other people because sure. <laughs> I've been talking a lot. And and uh, thank you for indulging me, Tony. But um, yeah, I, I for me, it's, this is a breaking point. And... <sighs> Anyway, um, hey, uh, Charles, was that reported on in Australia? <laughs> um, there, there, there was a little bit that popped up um, on a couple of grabs about uh, about Charlottesville and the reaction. So yeah, we, we got a bit of news about that. Um, in what 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 um, what we probably didn't get much of was detail of, of what actually happened at the rally. So it, it was largely reported as um, uh, right-wing um, right-wing rally and woman killed by a, a uh, right-wing extremist. The 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 idea of um, and what I did some subsequent reading on was that I, I didn't realise actually went for quite a long time, um, a number of hours. I think is that right, Tony? That the uh, that the uh, sort of disruption went for a very long time. So they walked. They did like a a, a vigil, uh, an awful. They were carrying tiki torches, which was obviously mm. supposed to meant torches for 
burning, I'm guessing, people, but the KKK has a history of burning crosses and so forth. So sure. I'm, that's where that was. They did that the night before, and that mm. um, broke out in violence um, as well. They, from what I understand, they didn't even have the rally on the day of. Uh, they were moved from their original place to another place, and then it never even really materialized. And one thing you said that did bother me a little bit was, according to your news outlets, it was a right-wing rally, and a right-wing extremist did the car attack. It wasn't a—when you say right-wing, it wasn't people on the right like me. It was alt-right, which is— yeah. A yeah, white supremacy, yeah. white identity politics movement that is fringe. It wasn't your general right. Mm. Absolutely. And and if I intimated that it was mainstream right, then uh, I apologize. Oh, it's okay. I just what, want what, to clarify. What, what, what is what, – what's, what's – um, um, and and the thing that made obviously the most uh, splash out here was was as you pointed out, Patrick, the um, the response and half response and then re-response that uh, that happened over the subsequent days. Um, yeah, so certainly made the news. Uh, was was a point of interest. It's probably uh, just as much a point of interest as um, the the president's comments on what he would do to um, North Korea if they continued uh, their uh, uh, nuclear program. Um, so so that those grabs we're kind of getting a bit used to and they're probably not having the impact that, uh, that they, they would have at one point. Yeah, I think there's some of this in, in France slash Finland as well. The level to which many of the different things that have happened in a month... Um, I mean, people were joking on Twitter. We called the last episode total annihil- uh, annihilation before the uh, the the penis wavering happened before be- between Kim Jong Un and Donald Trump, and that would you know it's one of the maybe ten things that would have become stories, uh, major stories for us. So that's also a big uh, a big concern. Um, but yeah, they, they, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I think everyone knows, but I'll just say it for the sake of, uh, of completeness in the media here. Um, it was not even outrage. I think it was disbelief, you know, and some people have been saying, oh, but that's because, you know, in, in Europe we have a big history with, with, uh, Nazis, but in the U S it's not so much the case. To which I'm answering, well, <laughs> I think the U.S. has a very strong history with what happened in World War II uh, and with Nazis. And the, the, the most frustrating thing is that everything about pop culture for the past 50, the 50 years after uh, the, the, the World War II ended was teaching people in a relatable, fun understandable manner that Nazis are the thing you don't mess around with and you just punch them in the face, right? It was like, it's even in things like uh, Star Wars, you have the Empire, which is the uniform, all white men uh, who speak the same language, who are the the evil ones, quote unquote. And then you have the uh, Rebellion, which is lots of people of different races, aliens, all of this. And that was intentional. And it's just, you know, one example, like 
and and even with that it's and and that and also uh for people saying oh they don't understand what nazis are which i think americans do uh captain america punches nazis in the face um the they the, the the rally was also with white supremacists and i think america has a very strong and alive history with racism so it's not like it was some foreign thing that was you know they didn't really understand but um it was very much reported on for us and again disbelief and we we're not sure what to do at this point and i think that's why uh, patrick I, I, can i yeah. ask you a question sure what do you want to do you're saying you're not sure what to do what do you want to do what would you do if you could what would i want to do what would i want to see happen or what would i want to do what would you want to do? I think that's why I was nervous, as I said in the beginning and a few times during the episode, because I think this show is what I want to do. Um, it, it, it is my hope that I am portraying myself. You're asking me the question, so I'm talking about myself for a second. I apologize, but that I'm portraying myself as what I am, which is someone reasonable. And... I hope that I'm showing people listening from every, from all sides, from all sides, from, oh, no, I'm sorry. I meant to say from many sides um, <laughs> that I'm showing people that being reasonable doesn't mean accepting everything and that the false equivalencies that are destroying the ability to have a discourse in America have a breaking point and at there is a moment where you have to examine your own conscience and unfortunately i think that we have reached that point with the trump presidency some people would argue we had reached it before i don't think we were quite there as definitively then i think we're there now and i think that If I'm being honest, I think that the what happened here for most people was actually a breaking point. If you veer into politics in general, then you're going to have some different responses. But I think for many people who had voted for Trump uh, before, I think they will not be comfortable voting for him again because there are a lot of reasonable, good people who voted for Trump for different reasons. And I think there are a lot of people who will never renounce Trump and who will never renounce their ideologies that are toxic. And that will always happen. There will always be those people. You know, there will always be terrorists. The idea that you can defeat them is a lie. There will always be uh, Nazis and neo-Nazis. I think that, that we've seen this proof many times over, over the past few decades. Uh, there will always be... Uh, uh, extremes everywhere but i think that this shows people the, the the good people the people who can be reasonable i think it's a breaking point for them and i hope that long-winded answer i'm sorry charles but what i would like to do is show people that there is another way that way being being reasonable you know, the, the, the middle ground. And the middle ground doesn't mean accepting every opinion. And I, I think some people mistake this 
sometimes thinking, oh, well, then you should hear from that group as well. No. Some groups you don't hear from. You know, there are the alt-right is largely composed, not entirely, but largely composed, composed of people that I don't really want to hear from. Nazis, KKK, all of this. They will not be invited to this table to explain why their policy or opinions are just as valid as someone else. And we will not have a debate between two sides of an issue when there shouldn't be two sides. And I think it comes back to what you were saying, Tony, a little bit, which is you shouldn't call everyone Nazis. I don't think people should do that. And if they do, then they devalue uh, the, the, the strength of the accusation of being a Nazi. And equally, I think when it's used, that accusation should carry weight. And anyway, very long answer. I, in there somewhere, there's some of what I would like to do. <laughs> so hopefully I'm doing it to an extent. But um, I was going to say, you can, you can uh, rest comfortably that you've done what you wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I, what I would like to see happen would be an entirely different conversation. But uh, then we delve into impossible things. So, um, hey, Turkey, we're not hearing about you. Uh, so much. Anything oh, I'm, I there? don't know. I don't know what to add. You guys just did a good job on that, and and to be honest, uh, Trump is just a waste of my breath at the moment. So, did was was this discussed <laughs> in uh, Saudi media? Uh, uh, yeah, kind of. In the official media, it wasn't as aggressive as it would have been if it, if it wasn't Trump, because of his good relationships with the Saudi government. So, it was. Kind of light the coverage. You think influenced by the interest of the? Oh yeah, uh, Trump is the best friend of this of the Saudi government in uh, God knows I don't know maybe since Bush or even before. Mm. <laughs> so so yeah so it was covered. It was in the media. It was just very light. Uh, they haven't dove too much into it. Uh, and I think that's the ba- basic reason is uh, Trump's support because he is also right now a big supporter of the Saudi government and other states who are boycotting Qatar. So they don't need to piss him off. Mm. And, 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 and Trump is a media hog. I'm sure he would be pissed off if Saudi mm. media attacked him. Right. Yeah, probably. Um, do, do you have culturally uh, history knowledge care about the, the Nazis or... Uh, in Saudi, not really. It's very light, our relationship in history with Nazis. Uh, you have the misinformed minority here about the Nazis who would think, oh, the Nazis were the greatest people ever. Uh, basically because the Nazis have tried to use the Arab people during the World War II and have promised them independence and freedom and independent states and so on. And and that mentality is still around, that they would have had freedom and so on. And then you have the uh, people who do understand Nazis, and those are the majority, that it, if as soon as they were done with the Jews, their next target would be the Arabs. Mm. And they know that the, those didn't matter who they stood for at the end of the day they would treat everybody who isn't a, a german or a white uh, saxon and so on the same way as they would treat okay all right um i i 
don't know um, what else to go to um, or what else there is to say. Anything? Yeah, uh, Charles and Tony, um, oh, if you have anything I was just going to say, is there something unreasonably fun to talk about just as you finish? Okay. Uh, is, I don't know that we're completely done with this topic. Is it about <laughs> this or something else? Okay, okay. No, 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 no. Uh, if, if we're going to continue with this topic, there was a question just, I had for um, Tony. Okay, yeah, I was going to give uh, Tony the, an opportunity to, uh, <laughs> to, to finish this, but go ahead then, ask the question. And, 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 and it kind of fits into this because you spoke a little bit about um, liking a lot of what um, Trump has done from a, um, from a policy point of view. Does it concern you at all that his legislative agenda appears to be stalling with with rifts with some some key republicans um such as the the, the house majority leader is that a worry to you that that he's actually not playing the politics side of things in washington very well and 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 being able to progress some of the things you want to see him progress it it is concerning um i i think that some of the things that haven't been pushed through have just been a systemic failure on the part of the entire Republican Party. I mean, whether you like it or not, um, the Republicans ran on a promise to repeal Obamacare, and then they didn't. You know, they had the numbers, and then they didn't do it. So, like I said, whether you like Obamacare or don't, they promised to do it, and then they didn't. He's right on that. Now, I should he be picking fights with McCain and Flake in Arizona and um, I think it's Booker in Tennessee that he's just recently picked a fight with. No, that's not helpful. Um, I think the president has the ability to pick fights with certain figures in order to get them to, you know, to push them to further the agenda. But I don't think he's doing that. I think he's picking fights with them because he's mad at them because they've said bad things about him, which goes back to Trump being Trump. Um, so it is concerning. I think it's going to be very difficult to lose the Senate um, as far as the Republicans go, just because of the way we do it. We do it in thirds. Uh, There's six or seven year terms. I'm showing a little ignorance there, but they're long terms and they do one third of the Senate at a time. And just the upcoming race is very favorable toward Republicans. It would be very difficult to lose the Senate, but he, it seems like he's trying. <laughs> um, I don't think it's one of the conspiracy theories that he's actually, I, I don't know that he's a Republican, but that he's actually kind of tried to get in as a double agent, so to speak, and then lose the the House and the Senate for us. I don't think that's the case, or I think he would have flipped long ago, but it is concerning. Um, does that answer your question? <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 on the on the basis that you're talking about, the liking what he was doing and supporting him for that, and, and his his ability to deliver on that agenda that you support, um, I think seems to be eroding. That's all. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's, One, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to. You said I could finish, so I was going to finish up. But if you got sure. something to add to that, point, no, I just wanted it. to say he he for you know. But that's the problem. The the, the uh, two different elements are the policies and the character of Donald Trump. And I think it's very easy to assign every failure to, oh, well, he's just Donald Trump. And, you know, when he does something, he does the he acts on the 
Republican policy platform, which is true, but it's just like, yeah, but he's at fault. You know, he's uh, anyway, that's a whole that's another um, that's a different debate with the question of he's the best businessman in the world and he's the thing and he does the deals. And like and when you say this, but look, he was wrong. Everyone will say, well, but he was he's just Trump. He's an idiot. And we knew that. And I understand that that's the case. But it feels <laughs> frustrating that when it's like, what did you think was going to happen? Look, it's happening. People answer well, yeah, we knew he's he's an idiot. He's a dumbass, and it feels like there's a shift. Like anyway, different conversation. We're almost two hours in. Tony, what did you want to did you want to finish with? Well, I kind of wanted to piggyback off something you said. Your goal was to do the show and be come across as a reasonable person. That's my goal when I come on the show too. I mean, I know that I'm biased in my ways, but I do want people to realize that I I. I think that I can be reasonable. Having said that, the the scenario you gave me is very difficult scenario to work through. I know, you know, you mean who would you race for? Right. But, well, and I, I understand. And I, I don't, you know, everyone says they're not a racist. I hope I'm not a racist. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I understand that blatant well, you were referring to Nazism. Nazism is the the stopping point. You know that that's that's the no go. Um, now, do I think that he's a blatant Nazi? No. Do I think no, that he's think going he's to a cause racist. the right? Do I? He do you might think he be. Helps I don't those, know. Yeah. Do you think he helps it, those movements? You don't think he helps them? I don't know. I, you see, that's I. I really feel like the Nazism aspect of what has happened is one of those thing that's, things that's been completely blown out of proportion by the media and social media, which everyone is focusing on that one aspect. Nazism. Just to be clear, is it's Nazis so and KKK and you know white supremacists. Both, I, I lump both them all of together, which right? are fringe, and they're all mm. fringe, right? I, they are. They're. They're those people. I mean, this this rally, this Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, was so fringe that what I what are referred to often as um, alt light, mm. which is those people that kind of they don't want to be alt right, but they kind of tiptoe around them. They they rub elbows with them from time to time. They wouldn't even go. You know, those people wouldn't even go. So that's why I, I think that there is no danger of that becoming a thing and because of that that's why i say it's a very difficult position for me to say are you going to give up on your policies that you believe in and some of my policies is putting it lightly you know um mm. I, i'm very very strongly anti-abortion so mm. am i going to give up on that for suspected racism that isn't really amounting to anything and i want to be clear i don't like racism but you see what no, i'm I think saying you're be- no, no no i think you're being very very clear um and i understand maybe, maybe i'm i was being a little bit flippant and you're helping me understand this when i'm saying oh at some point you have to draw the line and you have to abandon your beliefs for something that you think is important which is a higher belief kind of thing i think if you don't see him being having an active effect in the rise of intolerance in your country, I can see how you would say, well, I'm not going to give up 
you know, a core belief for something that I don't see as having an, an impact. Um, I could see that. I'm still... I, I, for me, it's pretty obvious that he emboldens those movements. I strongly believe that he is... Uh, that they are fringe. I agree with you there. I think, again, everyone was in their role when they were condemning them and everyone condemned them. And as we saw in the rally in Boston uh, a week after, um, that they were a ridiculous minority. But, you know, I don't know. It's like when you see someone that is the president of your country, let's say we don't even know if he's a racist. When you see him showing some favorable you know, uh, uh, action, for the lack of a better word, towards Nazis and KKK, I, I understand that this is not, this might not amount to anything. I think he does make this more acceptable, but he he shifts, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to become a Nazi, but it shifts things to the to the right just a little bit more. And the center is pushed to the right, which means there's a little bit more space for those people on the right. You know, it's kind of a corrupting influence on your political family. So I think there's a duty there to say no period, you know, maybe it's a time. And I agree. No period exclamation point on that stuff. Now let me give you a scenario and ask you a question afterwards. Mm. Hillary Clinton won the election last year. Okay. Things go more to the left. The center goes left instead of right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and I'll just give you the end of world fears that people like me have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, we, we talked a little bit about um, Australia's marriage equality thing. That's a thing. I personally don't feel that the government should tell some. It, it shouldn't be the government's job to take care of that. Um, the government, and what I'm saying is it shouldn't be the government's place to ban it, but it also shouldn't be the government's place to ban um, same-sex marriage, okay. but it also shouldn't be the government's place to say that the cake maker has to make a cake for the same-sex couple. So okay. I, I think it should be a hands-off approach there. Um, but in this case, it becomes more of a hands-on, now you have to. Um, the abortion becomes more prevalent. Uh, Planned Parenthood funding mm. becomes more prevalent. So, And identity politics become more of a thing. So here's the, that's the scenario that happens. Now, my question to you is, do you think that the white supremacy movement fades, stays where they are right now, or increases because of those things happening on the other side, if that happened? I think they're not related. I think no matter who is on the... Um, if, if demanding more equality means that we have more Nazis, then should we, ask, should we not ask for more equality? That's kind of the conundrum you're... I, I shouldn't have right? mentioned. I shouldn't have mentioned the the same sex marriage thing. I got off on right. a tangent there. Um, what I'm thinking but about the, in my head like right now is and, yeah. the well, it, not even that. I guess 
I, again, I got off on a tangent. I'm thinking of the the identity politics. The um, you you don't you can't you don't have a voice in this discussion because you're you're privileged, the privileged white man, right? right. That's what's building. That's what's building this to some extent, in my opinion. Mm. It's it's my theory. Um, I don't see how, in a scenario where Clinton gets elected, that that doesn't increase. Right. Right. Because it has been increasing under Trump. Mm. And I don't I don't see a scenario because then, in my opinion, that stuff, that form of racism, sexism is um, is a thing as well. And that would increase just like you're saying the opposite. And I feel like if you give them if you if you don't say or you walk back your denunciation of them, okay, they might. Uh, the the clan leader guy, I can't, uh, Richard Spencer. He's not the clan leader, but one of the alt right guys, Richard Spencer, might say, "Look, Trump loves us," and a few of his followers wave their hands in the air. But everyone else says, "You guys are crazy. We don't like you." If you give them a target that they can violently oppose, then they get worse. And that's my opinion. That that would be a, that's totally conjecture, but that's my opinion. You know. So I think I think there's this you dislike bernie i think trump is more on the right than bernie is on the left and you're talking in hypotheticals where you're treating clinton as if she was so on the left that she was somehow an equivalent to uh to trump you know the left equivalent to trump and i don't think that's the case um i agree with that yeah but you know (laughs) i i don't think that those those issues should be taken as a reason to i i I don't know what what he still should have denounced them i don't know you know and if clinton was there and this would be happening it still should be denounced you shouldn't soften your uh stance on on they're, they are two different things. You're talking about the the debate on abortion, for example, which you care about very much. I think that is a separate debate from identity politics. And I think identity politics very often devolve into... You're saying you shouldn't have an opinion because you're white is what you're receiving. If that's what you're receiving, then I think that's an extreme I disagree with. I do think there are big issues of inequality that should be addressed in your country and indeed in the entire world. Um, I don't think that should mean that the majority should be shut up, but I think that the majority, meaning white men, should understand the plight of the minorities. And that's an important uh, societal evolution moment. And it's not easy, but I don't think linking that to... um, you know, it's an easy excuse to say, oh, well, it's because we're being told to shut up that people become racist. You can, you know, be frustrated about the fact that you're being told to shut up and think it's wrong. And that not justifying, you know, racism and the alt-right the way it... I understand that they, they're they linked. You know what? We should have an entirely different episode talking about the <laughs> basics and of the alt-right and the uh that movement because it's super interesting but unfortunately it's been two hours people have to get back to their lives um 
let's say you at least managed to give me a question that I couldn't give you a yes or no answer to. <laughs> so, well, I guess that's something. That's something. Um, thank you so much, guys, for being on this uh, episode. It went uh, uh, a lot less uh, stressfully than I thought it was going to go. And um, yeah, I think it was. this was probably what I was... Uh, I think it went pretty well. So without further ado... Do you guys have anywhere you want to uh, tell people they can go if they want to uh, discuss things with you or follow you on the internet? Let's go with Charles first. I'm I'm uh, habitually very quiet on the interwebs nowadays, uh, so um, I, 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 yeah, you won't find me most places. Okay, should I put your Twitter handle in the show notes or? Sure, Melvin? absolutely. No, you, right. you can do that. You can you can always ping me a tweet if you wish, um, and uh, on a good day, I'll pay some attention to it. <laughs> Great, Turkey. What about you? Well, the only place you can find me at the moment is on Twitter. I'm not as active as I'm usually. I always check it, and it's Turkey Albala T U R K I A L B A L L A. Thank you, sir. And thank you for sticking with us, even though it was a very long two hours. Um, <laughs> no problem, man. Uh, Always Tony, here for you, Patrick. Thank you. I appreciate it. Tony, what about yourself? Well, um, you can find me on Twitter at Tony Staley. If the three other people that listen to this podcast that are conservative want to follow me, feel free to do so. <laughs> um, I, I want to say I'm honored to finally get on a show with Turkey and Charles. I haven't pleasure, heard you as much, but it's nice being on a show with you too. Uh, and it was a pleasure to be here, Patrick. Thank you. I can't believe it's the first time you two are on, on the show together. Well, we, a- we were supposed to last time, but he had something come oh, up and he just right. recorded something. Right, right, right. That that episode. Uh, well, thank you very much for for being on, uh, Tony. I think there are more than three other conservatives that listen to the show. I hope so, at least. I mean, I'm sure there is a majority of uh, of liberals that listen, but I hope there are more than three conservatives. I think there are because I do get some comments sometimes. And uh, um, yeah. okay, all all your conservatives out there, send Patrick an email. Let him know how many that you are there. Well, at least you can send me a tweet. I'm not Patrick. Actually, that would be interesting. Um, if you can tell me, yeah, I'm, I'm conservative-ish and uh, I listen to the show, you can send me a tweet. A, a tweet. I'm not Patrick on Twitter. I'm also not Patrick on Facebook. Um, you can leave a mention on the iTunes store. If you like the show, you can uh, give a review and a few stars. That would be lovely if you did that. Um, you can also become a supporter of the show. So whether you are a conservative or a liberal or an alien or whatever you are, and you think being reasonable is something of value and you think uh, this show serves that purpose or any purpose or maybe even entertainment, you can go to patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. The link is in the show notes and on the website, frenchspin.com, but it's um, available everywhere. It takes two minutes. You can uh, decide how much you contribute. You know Patreon. You know how it works. So consider giving uh, a couple of bucks to support the show. That would be very much appreciated. There are a few hundred people doing that already, and I love every single one of you even more than I love the other regular listeners, but just a little so, bit. because I, I So, Patrick, this is, this is your scientific way to find out if there's a life out there? Uh, yes, I expect I every <laughs> every alien uh, living on the planet to donate to the Phileas Club to make it a better, more habitable place for their eventual uh, eventual colonization of the planet. So, thank you very much to everyone in advance. 
That is going to be it. Um, we will have a, a probably have another special episode uh, next time. We did have one about India last time. I hope you enjoyed that one. We might do one. I, I'm trying to get something about Venezuela because things are happening there and i would love to have an episode about that at some point we'll see if it happens uh, but we'll probably have one uh, in the middle of the month and we'll be back with a regular episode in uh, about a month so we will talk to all of you then thanks everyone bye